Welcome to Employing Differences, a conversation about exploring the collaborative space between individuals. I'm Karen Gimnig. And I'm Paul Tevis. Each episode, we start with a question and see where it takes us. This week's question is, do we need a leader? So I want to start by distinguishing between two things, um, which is leadership and leaders. I am actually a big believer in leadership. I believe that leadership is important because what leadership really does is it allows for a group of people to accomplish something together that they could not accomplish individually on their own, right? Fundamentally, that is what leadership is for me. But leadership is a social process that results in that. And leadership can be undertaken by any member of a group at any time. Uh, one of the things I talked a lot with my, the groups that I work with about is that you can lead from whatever chair you're in. The scope of what you can do from that chair differs. The options you have available to you differ, but I believe it is possible for you to contribute to the group achieving things that you could not all individually achieve regardless of whether or not you have any formal authority in the organization and in the group. Oftentimes, when people talk about leaders, what they really mean is people who have some sort of formal authority bestowed by the structure of the group or the organization. And that's actually, I think, what we are going to talk more about here today. Sometimes leaders exercise leadership. Sometimes they don't. So actually, I think where we're going to be exploring a little bit more is more about like, do we need to have particular authority invested in individuals in order to achieve our tasks, in order to achieve what it is that we're trying to do? So that's kind of the setting the stage of where we want to go. Um, and so, so with that, that's really a question, right? Do we need to invest specific authority in certain individuals in order to get what we need to get done done? Yeah, and I think this is one of those that it's so situational. Um, it, and a lot of it is, are we in a group where there is a willingness to exhibit leadership and to accept, but both to practice and to accept leadership without that positional authority? Mm -hmm. And most of us don't have a lot of experience with that. So my sense is that Every now and again, I've been in a group where there is this incredibly sweet spot of everybody in the group kind of steps forward in leadership now and again in this way or that way um, without a great deal of formal assigning of roles. Although I will say even in those groups, there's often a passing of leader roles um, in a very you know, temporary kind of way. And often following a similar path. I'm in one group where we don't have a formally assigned facilitator, but almost every time we get together, somebody says, Karen, are you going to facilitate today? <laughs> and I can say no. I don't very often, but I can. Um, but there is that sort of pattern now in the group of, okay, we this is a person who's good at this thing. And I land in that role of leader. Um, but it it's in a very casual, friendly kind of way, if that makes sense. So I think e even in those cases, I think we usually end up with some amount of role. But most of the time, the groups that we're in don't actually have that skill to really 
show up with leadership, each of us consistently, and whenever there's a leadership vacuum that someone steps into it, in my experience, that's pretty rare without mm -hmm. some sort of formally assigned leader. Mm -hmm. It's uh, for me, I've been in a bunch of uh, learning communities recently where we get put, you know, into small groups to go to go perform a task, right? We're given a chunk of time, there's a there's an activity we're supposed to do. And it's really fascinating watching because no one is formally designated as the leader of the group to help get the task done. And it's really fascinating watch how, watching how people either do or don't step into that kind of role. Um, because I think one of the things that um, that formal authority is useful for is helping to create the conditions around a group, right, that are going to help it succeed. Um, and, and attending to those without necessarily trying to manage and run all of them. It's one of the interesting paradoxes. So I do a lot of work with sort of self-managing teams. Um, and one of the things that we know about teams that work effectively, where they control the way that they get their work done, they are highly collaborative. They figure out, okay, this was our process for doing it, but there's actually a better way of doing it. So we're going to modify our process. You know, they're not having a manager who controls rigidly the process that they do. They're responsible for sort of figuring that out themselves. Those teams are hard to set up unless there is something in the structure around them that says, you are all on this team, right? That's a use of authority, right? You're on the team or not, right? And the purpose of this team is, the mission of this team, setting the compelling direction. And what I've if that doesn't happen, then those teams rarely form and gel well, because we all have different ideas about what the purpose is or what the the um or what the mission like what we're actually trying to do are we on the team are we not things like that so in some ways what where we need a leader even in these self-organizing teams we need a leader to establish the boundaries and the conditions around the team so that we can lead ourselves uh and it's that's the paradox that we run into is we think that well because the team is going to self-manage it doesn't mean any type of manager or any type of leader and I think, in fact, it does. It's just that what that looks like, the authority needs in that type of group are just very different than what we're used to. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't need them at all. Yeah. And I want to distinguish here between a leader and a boss. Mm -hmm. um, because what I think we're often used to is that authority, the authority of a boss that says, this is how it's going to be, period. And, and we've probably all had bosses that were somewhat approachable, but when that authority is landing really heavily, this person, this is the person you go to to find out if you're allowed to do it or not, this is the person, right? That boss authority is very, very different than a collaborative leader whose primary role is to say, okay, so group, I think we're saying we wanna go here. Am I getting that? Okay, then how about this as a way? I am proposing we use this tool as the next thing. I'm proposing we use the structure as the next thing with an absolute understanding that, that anyone in the group can say, no, that's not going to work for me. So leadership, although there's some amount of authority in saying, you know, we don't need 10 people to all show up with a structure for a meeting. 
you know, we don't need to each be throwing tools in at the same time and fighting over which one. So there is something to be said for who's going to put the energy in ahead to be thinking about how we're going to function that kind of formal authority. At the same time, I want to be careful to say, I don't think you need a boss. I don't think you need someone with the authority to dictate, to instruct, to assign in a firm kind of way. I think that we need that leadership role of someone who will suggest a course forward or name something that doesn't feel like, like it, there, there's something going on in the room that we aren't naming and we need to name it that will say the hard thing, those kinds of leadership tasks. And it's probably easier to do them if you have some sort of authority for that. Um, but that's a very different thing than the dictator type authority that we often think of when we hear the word authority. Well, and this is a thing that I work a lot with, um, that I work a lot with organizational leaders with, with managers, directors, things like that, uh, where I think we have a relationship to the concept of authority that we need to each be aware of. Because what I tend to see in work that I do with folks, right, is that they either, um, authority, it feels like the thing we either abuse or we abdicate because usually because we're worried about abusing it, right? So your 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 comment about you know the dictatorial boss, the you know who over controls these things, who specifies you know we must do this, all this the other thing, you know that's often that often falls into the abusive end. But then when you have people who are you know who are nominally in a position of authority in an organization, right? The the chair of a meeting, right, is is a you know it has authority, right? And if they do nothing to sort of create structure for people to actually have conversations, if they abdicate that authority, then the group is often no better off. Like the failure modes are different for those two ends. But I, and I think each of us will have a tendency to do one or the other, depending on our relationship with authority. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work that I actually do coaching executives and, and directors and people who we would often point to and call leaders and organizations is actually helping them see that they have a third option, which is actually to use their authority humanely and in the service of the group. And that, that can be hard. And so I think, do we need a leader is actually really a question about what are the tasks for which authority could be usefully and humanely employed to help this group succeed. And different groups, the answers to that are gonna be different. Yeah, I, I think often so, some predictable answers to that, and they may not all land in the same role, but I think organization, like picking a path, picking a direction, picking a strategy, like that sort of organization of the work often is one of those. And another big one is communication. How are we gonna to touch base with each other? How often are we gonna to touch base with each other? When are we gonna have meetings? When are we gonna check in by email? Do we need some kind of group communication tool? Are we gonna set up a mirror board? Like what is the communication and interactivity level and mechanism? And then making sure that those things actually happen. Mm -hmm. um, so those two big areas I'd say are pretty predictably in the mix not necessarily done by the same person, but right. those are two areas I think you can predict for any kind of project. Yeah. And, and what then, and this is where then your, the 
fashion in which you actually carry those things out, there's a lot of flexibility in it and it can be tuned really usefully to the group, right? Because that can be done in a very dictatorial manner, right? We will use, we must communicate and we will use this method, right? Or it can be done in a, I'm very firm about the fact that we need to have regular communication. What are the methods that might work well for this group? Right. And then maybe I'm going to, I'm going to make a decision after I consult the group. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm going to decide. So it sounds like let's give this a try. This is, here's what I'm going to do. Right. We're going to try this method and see how that results. Like, but that's still, you know, saying like, I, I'm making a decision about how we're going to do this. That is still some use of authority. And I think where uh, oftentimes those of us who do a lot of work in, in leaderful groups in self-organizing, self-managing, consensus-based, you know, sorts of groups is we shy away from saying even that, right? <laughs> from, from doing the like, so would it be okay if maybe we, <laughs> right? And, and that's sometimes just not of service to the group. But if we don't practice actually using that authority, that structural power granted to us by the group, by the organization, if we don't use that, and practice it. We don't get good at it, at using it effectively and humanely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that comes up for me just as you're talking about that is the authority to form a proposal, which is a power structure in a group. The person who says, how about we do it this way, is more, it's way more likely to be that way now than any other, right? So there, mm -hmm. there is a moment at which you're exerting some authority or some power in the group when you say that. On the other hand, if nobody ever makes a proposal, you can talk for days about, well, we could do it this way and we could do it that way and we could do it this way and we could do it that way. At some point, somebody's got to say, how about if we try this one? Or, you know, it's not serving us to keep having this conversation. Can we go that way? Um, I, I think about this in, have you ever been with a group of 10 people who are going to have dinner together and you got to figure out where? At some point, somebody has to say, I think we should go here. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm often that person because my tolerance for the forever, well, it could be this and it could be that. And what if we go here? And what if we go there is pretty low. But I, but typically I didn't arrive with the idea. What happened was I listened for about three or four minutes and it, you know, each person had sort of chimed in and maybe I already know we have a vegetarian and we have, you know, whatever's in the mix. And I say, okay, so of the five things anybody said, this is the one that seems like it works for everybody, does it? And then we're off on our way to have dinner <laughs> instead of, you know, standing on the sidewalk outside the theater or something, having this conversation for the next 20 minutes. So I think there is that piece of, does it exert power? Yes. Does it influence the outcome? Yes. Does that make it inappropriate or unfair or not useful to the group? Not if we do it, as you say, humanely. Not if it is framed in a way that someone could say, you know, actually that doesn't work for me. Um, so that sort of proposal kind of, of energy. But I've seen a lot of groups that, you know, somebody brings an idea and we're in a consensus meeting and people have concerns about it and there's other concerns about it. And, and the idea is, okay, so now we're going to give it back to the person who brought the idea and have them go work on it. And at the next meeting, they'll bring out a proposal that takes into account all these other things. And so often it's more useful if someone, it might be the facilitator of the meeting, it might be the person who brought the proposal, it might be some other clever person with good leadership skills, says, 
okay, so that was the original proposal and we've heard this and this and this objections. Here's an idea that addresses all of those. What if we change the proposal like this? And then we get it done that day. The person who brought the idea feels good about it. The group feels good about it. Like we got a thing done instead of just like kicking it down to, you know, for more conversation and more process. So there are all kinds of ways in which the willingness to exert some influence, some power, suggest a direction actually serves the group incredibly well. And it can feel really vulnerable to do it. Yeah. The other thing that I want to say about this and, and about authority in particular, right? It's, you, it's authority to do particular things, right? It's that you have the legitimate power to do particular things. And you draw on that either from the group itself or the larger organization that the group is part of, right? Um, and humans are actually really good at, at figuring out who has authority to do what. Like, even when we haven't explicitly said who has the authority to do these things, we've all got a pretty good idea. Like, we can suss that out pretty well. So the thing is, um, there are certain tasks for which having clarity around who has the authority around those is useful to the group. It's useful to know who has the power to make a proposal. It's useful to know who's going to make the decision about uh, about what order we're going to consider things in. Because when there's that kind of clarity, we know how to engage with the process. When we lack clarity around who has the authority to do certain things, we don't know how to operate in the group. We don't know how to engage with it. And so I find when we, coming back to the question of do we need a leader or what do we need to rely, what, what do we need to actually have designated authority for? I think it's for those tasks for which clarity is useful for the group. When the group needs to know where that authority resides, it can be useful to actually formally assign it um, at, because then people know how to engage with it, right? If I know that Karen is the person who's making the decisions about who's gonna be on this committee, then I can go, hey, Karen, I know somebody who I think would be really good to be on that committee. I think Bob would be great for that, right? As opposed to me just going, I wonder who I need to ask about this thing or things like that. So I think that do we need a leader is also is really about what are the things for which it is useful for people to have clarity about who has the authority to do certain things? Yeah, and I wanna give one more frame to that, which is when we're thinking about giving authority to do certain things, one of the one of the things I think about with that is, will the decision be a better decision because everybody made it than if we just gave the authority to one person to make it? Mm -hmm. Because in fact, one person making a decision is always more efficient. It's always less energy. It's always less time. And, and that more efficient isn't always better. But for the sorts of things like, what order are we going to talk about things in an agenda? Almost always, there are exceptions, but almost always the order isn't going to matter very much. And any one of us could make that decision and we would, and it wouldn't be better or worse than if we'd all tried to make it together. Like there just isn't enough difference between changing the order. And there's a lot, especially of process type things like that, where the group process won't make it a better decision. 
And I also see this when I work with groups, I, I work with community design a lot. So I'm often working with architects or developers or other professionals who know a lot more than the client group knows. And they'll say, oh, well, the group can decide that between these things, but don't ask them to because they won't make as good a decision or at least they won't make a better decision. They don't know enough about you know, real estate markets or design or that kind of, like, you know, 10 times as much about that as anybody in this group, they're not going to make a better decision than you will. And so at some point, even if it's their decision to make, to, to just have the leadership to say, this is what I recommend. So if in fact, a single person making a decision is likely to make at least as good a decision as having a group process, that's one of those moments where giving authority is really, really useful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole question of decision-making is, is it, <laughs> it's ginormous, right? Uh, and, and how do we, you know, how do we engage with that process? Who can make decisions? Who can make proposals? How do we ratify decisions like that? I think that there are a lot of different ways of distributing authority in the groups. And so fundamentally, I think that's where we get to on a lot of this. The question of do we need a leader is actually really, how do we need to distribute authority so that this group is best set up to achieve its goals, to accomplish what it needs to do? Um, and so there is there is no single answer to, to do we need a leader, yes or no. Uh, in fact, the answer is almost certainly yes for these things in certain situations somebody needs to have the structural authority. And that may not be one individual, right? It may be a group of people who, you know, a subset within the group. These three people have to agree on how we're gonna do this. But um, I think digging into that nuance um, a lot, and understanding the ways in which we could distribute that authority uh, is a thing that allows us to pick a structure, to have a method, the way of working that is best suited to our situation rather than just defaulting to what we always are sort of philosophically committed to. We must always have a strong leader who can make decisions and move things forward, or we must always decide everything as a, as a ginormous group. Um, I think that's an easy trap to fall into. So I think we're saying, do we need leaders? Probably. Do we need leadership? Certainly. And the extent to which we need leaders, how we structure them, how the length of their authority, the scope of their authority, how many of them might be involved. This is all looking at how the group is functioning, what kinds of decisions are making, what kinds of processes are in place, and frankly, how much other leadership capacity exists in an informal way within the group. And so when you consider all of that, that will lead you to some amount of structure of leadership, which could be anything from very informally short-term roles to longer-term, very formal roles of authority that are what that group needs to work collaboratively well. Well, that's going to do it for us for today. Until next time, I'm Paul Tevis. And I'm Karen Gamnig, and this has been Employing Differences. <laughs>